0: Hello, and welcome to Sideload. I'm your host, Sarah Claver, and today we're discussing the secret sauce of brilliant B2B campaigns. I'm joined virtually today by Jonathan Bean, CMO at Cinch. Jonathan is a global leader in messaging and mobile customer engagement, and he's the B2B marketer behind Give A Beat and Text for Humanity.
1: So I'm Becky, I'm one of the associate directors um, here at Edelman, I've been here about six years and we're here today to talk about what creative bravery means in B2B. And I think it's a, a really interesting question and obviously Jonathan's got some great views on this as Anders um, talked about in the sort of intro. Um, so Jonathan, um, obviously we've heard a lot about your background, the relationship you've got built with sort of Edelman and Deputivo over the years. I think the first question I'm really interested to ask you is sort of why B2B is seen as such sort of the boring cousin, shall we say, of B2C marketing and, you know, whether it's deserved, whether, you know, B2B marketing really does have to be boring or whether there are sort of opportunities and ways in um, uh, that might be more interesting.
2: Thanks, Becky. Yeah, uh, really delighted to join you guys uh, here in this intimate setting of uh uh, of like-minded uh, communications and marketing uh, professionals uh, and some uh, Edelman uh, folk. Um, yeah, I- is it boring? Uh, I-, I think the whole I think the whole B two B thing that or the separation between B two B and B two C goes back to the old ways of buying, right? It's the the way that we used to do B2C and B2B marketing before digital, I would say. Um, Whereas, you know, uh, B2C was always about mass communication, about advertising, TV, all those different mass communication methods. Uh, And B2B was always about long sales cycles, trade shows, uh, men or women, in suits with their briefcases, going to trade shows and doing deals with people, right? And, uh, you know, taking them golfing or, or whatever you did. And I think, you know, fundamentally, like all things, right, the, the marketing, uh, you know, uh, industry takes a while to catch up on, on changes, particularly changes in technology, a little bit like the legal industry and the political and regulatory frameworks that surround us. And so for me, you know, B2B buying, is it it, it's still a human you're selling to right so i what i often say to the teams is you know you're selling to humans is selling to humans right we're selling to we might have them beautifully mapped out in different personas these days or or things like that but you are selling to a person and you need to put your product or your service in front of that person and and differentiate And, and then the way they access those products is digitally um today so i think that's your opportunity really this this um you know this this breakdown between b2 C and b2b is a bit of a bit of a fallacy I would say you know mm. it's people selling to to people
1: you, you talked about sort of the uh, I guess the shift from from these b2b events no we've seen that in such sort of great droves this year in particular or the last year in particular when all of these events were cancelled and <laughs> there was sort of a need to look elsewhere in terms of where you're investing a lot of that that b2b investment um but I think digital can be interpreted in, in well probably myriad ways but two that sort of spring to mind here and one is that kind of as you've talked about that kind of focus on marketing automation you know the drive into um using digital digital tools to optimize that you know driving for your webinars driving for your um your maybe linkedin adverts um but then there's also the other sort of avenues of, of digital that i perhaps um B2B companies aren't as sort of adept of taking up. I'd be really interested if you to talk a little bit more about that kind of notion of digital and how you see that sort of exploding almost the, the divide, shall we say, between B2B and B2C.
2: Yeah, I, I, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I really... Um... Uh, I'm so surprised that we're still using this term digital in the year of 2021 and as though it's some sort of foreign you know thing this this new thing right I think if we were if we were talking about it in 2004 or 5 that's allowed right but the fact that we're still talking about it in in 2021 is like despicable I would say and I think why are we doing that it's because there's a whole bunch of 40-year-olds, 50-year-olds, and 60-year-olds that are in kind of executive, so-called executive positions in companies today that weren't really brought up with this, don't clearly understand it, are a little bit threatened from by some of these, you know, people that are digital natives, uh, many of which are their kids. You know, I learn a lot from my daughter who's like an expert YouTube editor. So we kind of try and build up digital as this kind of weird new thing rather than the the, the old world. And I think you need both, right? It's not a question of you just need, you, you know, you need a lot of the hygiene factors of a modern marketing machine today, which includes, you know, marketing automation, you know, conversion rate optimization, you know, SEM, SEO, that whole suite, you need that. But just assume, I think, that all of your competition, if they have the ability to get the right talent in place, right, which I think for a lot of B2B companies, not just on the tech side, but every company, their key mission is talent acquisition. You know, can I get the right talent? So everyone's going to be getting this great talent in the door. Right. You're all going to be putting in pretty much the same type of frameworks in place. You know, you're going to have the same type of MarTech in place. You're hopefully going to have some good narrative and some good messaging um, and all of that. Um, so so you're going to have that framework in place. Um, but, but in order to differentiate yourself truly from the competition, you do need to catch attention. You do need to win hearts and minds. You do need to build your brand. And... Um, you know, I think that's vitally important because today, and I don't know if it's just because I'm in the technology world, often many, many te- technology products are the same. We love to talk about our differentiators used to be called the USPs, right, and how amazing we are. But fact is, most technology brands, it's pretty much the same stuff with vlogging to customers. Um, but we, you know, we use people like you to try and try and say that it's it's different.
1: So I guess if, if MarTech is the baseline and sort of having that investment in talent, having that, that investment in tools and the hygiene factors that you talked about in terms of your content is kind of the, 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 the base where you have to have, where you have to play. Um, is that where you see sort of earned creativity coming in and sort of stepping over and above that?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's um, I think it needs to feed into each other. Right. I think you you know, I think what 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 creativity um, and creative programs give you the ability to do is to try and put your put your company in a context. Right. What, what context do you exist in today? And I think that's I think Anders talked about it a little bit in the intro. Like what we've tried to do previously is to say, OK, we are a software provider. Or we're a cloud communications provider, like I am at Cinch. But actually, you know, the mission at Cinch is really about simplifying life by bringing all people and businesses together, right? You know, we 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 serve, you know, one hundred and forty-seven interaction billion interactions a uh, a year. So we reach basically every person on the planet, you know, fourteen times. Now that's quite a powerful responsibility. So so you think, okay, what context do we operate? You know in here and and we saw it through the lens of a mobile phone our product is often delivered through a mobile phone in terms of a uh, a message or a voice or a video you know interaction okay what effects the mobile phones have you know on people's lives and that's when we started to explore that together with you guys we said, oh well, actually, there's this big, there's this huge trend that there's a lot of online negativity out there. People aren't feeling particularly healthy when they're interacting with their mobile phones. Is there something that we can do to fight this kind of online negativity? And that's where, you know, the idea of uh, of text of humanity was was brought up. So I think it it just allows you to, you need you need to have all those hygiene factors in place. You need to build a a good you know, marketing machine. But the creative element, you know, comes on top of that and allows you to to really explore the context that your company and your product and service operates within. And I think that's really powerful, basically
1: um an interesting question come in on the chat um uh, from someone uh participating today they've asked how uh when and how do you bring in your internal teams on board and ideas when you've got perhaps a slightly wild campaign that's coming out of its comfort zone um they've talked about you know presenting ideas in their final stage um and sometimes you know people not forming the emotional attachment that might be required to the idea that comes from sort of the process itself what are your thoughts on that
2: yeah, super great question, uh Christina, right? Who asked that question. Yeah, and something I don't I don't think I've perfected this particularly, you know, well. I think uh I I generally keep the idea and the creativity to a relatively small team in, in my team um, because I don't want to distract there's, there's There's so much engagement that goes on with creative campaigns because it's so exciting and it's so engaging. But if I have all of the marketing department focusing on this one thing, then nothing else, none of those hygiene factors that I talked gets done. So generally what I do is I'll work with a small team in a brand, in my brand and comms team, you know, on this particular idea, involve those people and, 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 Get, get a small enough team, but but with diverse opinions to feed back on creative ideas and the way we're going, right? And then, you know, stage by stage, you will you will kind of um, uh, tell this to the organisation, both the wider marketing organisation and the organisation in general. So I kind of like, you know, uh, tease them, you know, so big company kickoffs, I'll say, and we've got a really good campaign for Q2 or whatever, and it's called, you know, X. Uh, uh, with a with a nice graphic and they're like, oh I want to know more oh you know well you will know more when the time is right and then you know you'll synthesize it with maybe the leadership team you know this is what we're planning to do but you don't go ask their permission this is what we're doing right this is what we're doing this is what we believe in um, you know these are the results it's going to deliver as well don't run away from the results the very tangible results um, but I think Marketeers generally, or some marketers are a little bit afraid. They're a little bit sort of asking for permission. Should oh, Can we can we do this? And I would say, don't ask for permission. You know, you can ask for forgiveness if it, if it goes wrong.
0: So I'd like to dive right in. Um, having just shared with our listeners the highlights from your recent fireside chat, we now love to deep dive on a couple of points. But first, I think We'd just like to, to knuckle down really on the role of creativity in b2b and how it differs or relates to b2c campaigns
2: yeah i think um i don't think it does differ that much these days uh from from my opinion i think the old world of of um you know the separation between b2b and b2c was very much in a pre-digital world right um where you had um, different, very different ways of doing things much longer sales cycles in B2B you know you would go to a trade show or you know meet people on the golf course or at, at industry events and then and or specific meetings and do deals over 12 to 18 months and in B2C you'd rely on mass communications you know campaigns you know to drive people into retail stores. Of course that all got up- ended about 20 years ago actually with a thing called the internet uh, and business models have uh, have changed so I think at the end of the day we're selling Human to human. If you're buying a purchasing decision, you know, in a B two B company for a piece of software or a you know solution that you're buying, you're still buying from another uh, person, and you have those personal. And I think that's that's where actually the B two B and B two C worlds have um, have collided. And, and a lot of B two B business models today are you know in real time. If, you, if you're buying a piece of software, you often buy it off your credit card, you know, and you can have access to that you know that software within seconds, right after putting it in. So it, it's no longer this. Um, you know, huge. You know, one year, two year. You know, sales cycle. Of course, if you're selling a nuclear power plant uh, uh, or a more complex, um, you know, solution or product, they are still, um, you know, uh, very different sales and go to market motions. However, you know, I think, you know, it is definitely the case in B two B today that that you know much of the buyer journey is complete before a person ever speaks to sales.
0: Sure. Yeah, that's that's super interesting actually. So on that, I guess, do you think there are specific factors for a successful or, or effective B2B campaign, given that so, so much of that is automated?
2: Yeah, I think in terms of a creative campaign, I think you need to understand the context of, of how your product or service is used in society. So, you know, at Cinch, you know, we have a vision to simplify life by bringing all people and businesses together. Why do we say all people? Because we do around, you know, 150 billion, uh, what we call application to person messages every or transactions every year. That is, you know, we touch every person on the planet at least 14 times a year. Now, that's pretty powerful, uh, basically. So I think a lot of, you know, technology providers need to ask themselves, okay, how do people experience my product? Well, you know, for us, it was about through you know what does a mobile phone mean to people because our product, whether it's voice, it's video, or it's messaging, gets gets delivered through a mobile phone, and that's where if you if you take um text for humanity as an example, you know we came to this area of of uh, of online negativity you know the people were using their mobile phones more and more their screen time was going up more and more but they weren't necessarily that much happier why because there's a lot of online negativity you know out there so what can we do to be a counter to that so i think for me one of the key ingredients is finding the context that you exist within uh, or your product or your service exists within and that's very very important as a base to any kind of creative work
0: Mm-hmm. And in um, the case of Text for Humanity, then, do you think purpose was the, the real key there for, for driving the success of that campaign? I think I saw there were 300% more business leads as a result. Is it due to purpose, that you think?
2: Well, I think doing something different, I think, first of all. I think um, purpose is overused. Purpose is a very, very in vogue communications uh, phrase. I've heard a lot of people who come to me and say, oh, you know, I want to do a purpose driven, you know, campaign. Hmm, okay um why do you want to do a, a purpose-driven campaign do you understand the context that, but i mean i'm very keen if people understand the context that their business operates within and there's a societal issue that they think that they can have some influence on that's important to either their brand their product their service their employees their customers then then great um but i think there's there's too much you know you know too many i think marketing leaders that come and want to you know do a purpose-driven campaign because i think that that's kind of invoke. I, I hope that that's not actually that many you know cmos out there today that want to want to do that um for me it's understanding the context that you're in and understanding what issues do you do you have the ability to to influence or not solve but you know influence or have an impact on
0: sure um and what most excites you about the partnership between technology and creativity and and what that offers for for b2b and marketing campaigns
2: i think it brings creative ideas to life right so i'm a big i'm a big believer in in um design i think design can really bring creative ideas to to life i think copy can bring creative ideas to life um but i think technology you know can bring experiences to life right so you know um we created the world's first um texting switchboard right between individuals you know across the world that was enabled through technology Um, so i think you know yes it was cinch technology that we were we were using our conversational platform um, um, but i think that's what gives excitement it's not just another landing page or it's not just another you know image or it's not just another video asset it is actually an experience and i think that's what technology brings you you can create experiences and i think that's that's super powerful but it it can't be used in you know isolation you do need great creative you do need great design you do need great copy you do need all those classic creative ingredients and then if you add a bit of technology onto it as well it gives the extra kind of um special source so to speak
0: yeah, absolutely. So with all of those elements in play, then, where do you think technology will move B2B campaigns in the future? Is is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to there or I- imagining that hopefully technology will then be able to deliver on in the, the near future?
2: Yeah, I'm very positive. I'm a great optimist on on what can be achieved through uh, through technology. I I also know that a lot of technologies are before their time as well. So you see great campaigns, and and, and you also see creatives right that want to, um, want to use this really way out there technology that people don't really understand yet, just because it's cool. I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't um, you know suggest uh, that. But I I, I do think um, what technology gives you the ability to do is scale things very much right so we could reach 85 countries we could reach you know nearly 100,000 people you know doing this so I think that's what I think technology gives the um, gives the uh, ability to do and then of course there's there's a whole bunch of you know new technologies whether it's you know you know AI and machine learning whether it is crypto whether it is you know um, virtual reality all of those type of technologies are all super exciting but technologies without the creative idea without the understanding of context without all the other disciplines then then uh, it can also be quite dangerous right if you apply it in the in the the wrong way and there's lots of issues and risks around that too
0: yeah absolutely so i think when we talk about brave and creative b2b campaigns um often the mind wanders to those real large large brands do you think there's a way that that smaller b2b campaigns or smaller brands can get involved and and kind of bring that bravery And, and is there any advice for those individuals yeah, definitely.
2: I mean, I, I um, uh, yeah, I mean, since she's a much larger company, but the company I was at before, we were a small software uh, scale up, um, we decided to, you know, um, invest somewhere around, you know, 10% of our budget. So 90% of our budget was not invested in creative, you know, bravery, 10% of it was. Um, and, um, and, and we, we, you know, we, we did that. And, we were able to punch ab- above our weight, you know, because could we outspend people on Google AdWords? Could we outspend people on Facebook? No, we couldn't, we didn't have that power. But could we, could we you know, capture hearts and minds and mind share with this, with this creative bravery approach and do something different and differentiate from the competition? Yes, we could. So I definitely think it is, it is possible to do at a much, um, uh, at a much smaller scale. But you need to, you know, it's hard work, right? You need to probably work with a really good partner on this. You need to be prepared to take a risk uh, and do something different. And you need to think that standing out and and being different is a really good thing for your company and your kind of, you know, your go to market and the growth journey that you're on. But it can definitely, you don't need to be a huge mega brand or huge B2C brand to actually to to do this.
0: Right. It does just go back to that bravery then of, of taking that kind of leap.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. But, you know, I, as, I, as I said in the fireside chat, it's like, what's the point in life if you're not brave? Come on, we're in marketing. We're not a heart surgeon. We're not doing cancer research. We're not trying to solve COVID-19. We're in marketing and communications. And I know we all want to take our job seriously. And what we do, it is serious. And, and, and we, you know, we, we grow companies. And, you know, we can do a lot of good in the world as well with what we're doing. But you know, we can't be not brave. That's, that's God, that's boring.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I completely agree. So I know you mentioned partnerships there quickly. How important do you think partnerships are for B2B campaigns, whether that's with the the sales teams or or third party partnerships or, or anywhere else for that matter?
2: Yeah, I think it's absolutely critical um, because part of understanding this context of, I mean, there's two things there, right? One is internally, the partnerships internally. Yes, it's much better if it's a cross-functional approach, right? You get product and engineering, you know, involved in the campaign and maybe building something. You get the sales team involved, why this is going to be a good thing for them. You get your finance team on board by basically, you know, understanding what we're trying to do long-term with the brand and how this is going to feed in. So that's the internal piece. That's vital. Can't be just this silo that marketing are very proud of on the um, on the um, uh, external thing when you when you partner with ngos or or you know other other areas um, i think we have the, the london cycling campaign for the the herdin give a beep campaign and and obviously mental health america for um, for text for humanity yes it's super important to to have a true partnership with that um, with that with that organization and understand their needs and why they would benefit from being a part of this uh, campaign too and why they're super important at solving probably this, um, this uh, societal issue that you may be highlighting or, or supporting. So understanding where they are as an organization, treating them as an equal partner in the campaign, even though you as a marketeer might be footing the bill and paying the budget for the campaign but just understanding where they're coming from and what's the win-win situation. So I I think to be honest with you, that's it, right? On partnerships, how can I get to a win-win situation, whether it's internally talking to all my stakeholders there or it's externally talking to, you know, whether it be NGOs or or, or other uh, organisations you're dealing with.
0: Sure, absolutely. And so these campaigns that you've worked on in the past, have, have you been starting with very specific goals and working backwards or have these campaigns developed organically as you're working along with the business?
2: Well I think you you start with a goal like um, I need to grow brand awareness right and there are many many ways that you can grow brand awareness using creative PR is one of them Uh, it's not the only one By you know you need to do work on your website you need to do work on SEO you need to um, you know produce great content you need to have a really solid paid acquisition digital strategy as well as stuff like that but 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 PR is a very, very cost-effective, you know, way of, of of reaching out. So you build that. You know, the end goal is okay. What do we, what do we want? You know, our brand awareness goals to actually look like. Uh, then you can, w- then you can w- work back from uh, that. Often, I mean, since as a company had never really measured its brand versus its competition, so so we we didn't have this kind of benchmark to go from A to B. Um, we do now, um, so that's good. But when we did Text for Humanity, it was more: let's see what's possible with creative PR. We want to, for example, double website visits within a 12-month period. Okay, we know that this will play into that. It won't be the be-all and end-all. There'll be lots of initiatives that that, that go into this, um, but that's one of the you know one of the things that we that we wanted to test and do.
0: Sure. So it's defining those goals really clearly, and then looking at creative ways to, to reach them. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, That's all we've got time for today on today's episode of Sideload. So thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe, search for Edelman UK. And if you want to get in touch, please email sideload at edelman.com. See you next time.